0: I'm Jeff Wright and welcome to the Blame to Fame podcast. As an entrepreneur, I have not only built an extremely successful business from scratch, but also employed thousands of men and women and helped them on their path to financial freedom. One of the most common themes for me and everyone else who has succeeded is that we never blame anyone and are aware that our success or failures fall solely on our shoulders. It was not until I hit rock bottom that I realized that only I alone could change my future. And on my podcast, you're going to hear the stories of successful folks who have gone from blame to fame in their own lives. I look forward to sharing my journey and great guests that will educate you about their path to success. Please join me each week on the blame to fame podcast. All right. Today, we got a real treat for you from Austin, Texas, Mr. Rob Stein. Rob is a real estate educator. He uh, is an award-winning composer. I'm very interested to hear about that. Um, He owns multiple businesses and also lifts multiple weights because he's a professional bodybuilder, man. Are right. <laughs> you, are you sure you're not Clark Kent? <laughs> <laughs> I think I need more hair. <laughs> yeah, you got to do it all. Well, Rob, welcome. What's going on, man? Man, Jeff, thank you so much for having
1: me on, brother. Uh, I appreciate it. I'm glad to hear you're safe in Florida with all the hurricanes going on over there.
0: Oh, yeah, it was it it was a mess. But, yeah, you know, the, the interesting thing, though, is that, you know, we had a hurricane the other day on the east coast of Florida, you know, long way from where I live. Right. But but my phone blew up this week. People calling oh. me, hey, are you okay? Hey, oh, wow. are you okay? I'm like, can you read a fucking map? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm 300 miles away from that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funniest thing is when there's some kind of like, Uh, you know, two winters ago, we had like the the snowmageddon here in Texas, which of course, Texas infrastructure is not built for incredible snowstorms, right? And so it was really a tough impact here. And um, it was so funny to get, I mean, I, I appreciate the sentiment, but when you get a message from someone that's halfway across the country and they're like what can i do to help and you're like nothing like you're thousand miles away unless you're gonna like have food or groceries delivered to my house which no one can get to anyway i don't think you can help yeah,
0: yeah can you wire me some money <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, I was really thinking more about saying a prayer for you. Oh, okay. You can do that. <laughs> Super helpful. Thanks. But if you really want to do something, you, you know, you know, Venmo yeah. me some cash. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and that's when you hear the, well, I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you were telling me a little bit about the music composing for mm. marching bands. And yeah. uh, my son's a, a music producer in New really? York. Yeah, he uh, well he was in New York. He just moved to Atlanta. Mm. And he uh, he told me he was going to do some stuff in the rap industry and I said, wow. "Well, you I said, well, "Don't you hate rap?" He said, "Yeah, but it all sounds like money to me." Yeah. And I mean yeah. like
1: I mean there there's certainly it, you know in my opinion like something to be said for like being a a lyricist, and being uh-huh. able to write really compelling meaningful lyrics. Rap music, in terms of like the music and the beats, I mean, super easy, super easy to do. Yeah. So, I mean, for someone like that, that's like, dude, I'll just write it and make that money. Like, <laughs> hell yeah, dude, go for it.
0: <laughs> and and you do a podcast. Is it impossible to fail? Impossible to fail. Yep, that's right. Well, we you uh, tell me about that. Well, we just launched. We created a backlog
1: of of a good amount of episodes, and we just launched it. Um, and of course, you're you're going to be on there too. And you know, so the whole impossible to fail framework really came about as I was reflecting on questions I started getting as I've launched, um, you know, a few more businesses over the past few years. So uh, my first, my first business that got me out of the the nine to five, so to speak. I used to be a middle school music teacher, and uh, music is my first passion, and so I built my first business of writing you know, music for ultra competitive marching bands at a very high level. And I was able to build that business to about a quarter million dollars a year of revenue, which when you're a teacher making 50 grand a year, it's like, holy smokes, man. Like I did it. I made it quit my teaching job, Um, you know, got into bodybuilding at the time. So then I launched another uh, business in kind of health and fitness training. Then I got uh, my real estate solo career going. Then I started a team. Now I'm doing more coaching. And all of these things that are somewhat seemingly unrelated to each other that have all all just become successful over time. And when I really reflected on it, like, what is it that has allowed me to do that? Because like, you know, bodybuilding, music and real estate, like those things are completely (laughs) unrelated to each other. And I was actually talking to my marketing team about it. And I said, you know, I just I've always structured it that I just want it to be impossible to fail. And they were like, hey, you should use that. And I was like, oh, I think I will. And it really just comes down to setting yourself up for success. You know, I think in order to make it impossible to fail, it's a it's a four part formula. And my book that's coming out in quarter two of next year, impossible to fail, does a deep dive on this. But really, it starts with you got to get a blueprint from somebody that has accomplished exactly what it is you are trying to do. And so many entrepreneurs have a really tough time with this, um, which is just makes no sense to me. I mean, if someone, you know, came up to me and was, uh, and was like, Rob, I'm going to try to learn this new skill. I don't know it yet. What do you think is the first thing I should do? I would say, "Well, get a teacher. You got to learn how to do the thing you want to do. Right. And anyone would agree with that. And that only makes sense yet when entrepreneurs open their LLC and they have their business and now it comes time to spend some money on education, they don't want to do it. So many people don't want to do it. You know, they'll spend a thousand bucks on an iPhone. They'll go to the bar three nights a week and drop a couple hundred bucks at a time. They'll buy all sorts of useless stuff. They don't need. They probably got 30 pairs of shoes in the closet. They don't wear, but when it's like, Hey, you're going to spend a couple thousand bucks on the, the program or the coach that's going to unlock the keys to eternity for you. Oh no. Not going to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's almost like someone buying a, a, some sort of exercise equipment to put it at, at home. You know, they they buy a, a treadmill or they buy a um, yeah, what what do they call the thing? You they're
1: you, yeah, like elliptical own, or elliptical. Yeah, that,
0: that's right. Usually becomes the best coat hanger they have in the house. Right, but but for some reason they think if if they're shelling out this money. It's all going to just do it on its own.
1: Yeah, well, I think none of this
0: stuff works unless unless you do.
1: You have to implement it. That's right. So you start with the blueprint and then you implement it with massive action, relentless consistency and time. And those three things put together, I mean, it's literally like scientifically impossible to fail if you do it right. And I, I think part of it comes from the fact that society right now, I think in large part to social media also and technology is so. Um, we're so engineered to, to get instant gratification. So for example, like you said, an elliptical machine. All right. Well, if I go to buy elliptical machine, I buy it. It's in my house. Now I have it. Most people aren't going to use it, but I have it. I have the thing that I paid for right now. If I want a new phone, I'm going to pay the money and boom, it's in my hands. If I get a new car or I'm going to go out to eat, I'm going to pay the money and boom, I have the thing I want. When you invest money in education, you know, you don't get like a materialistic thing and you don't get money in your account right away, you get information that is then up to you to implement it. And I think there's some kind of disconnect there, where people maybe don't feel they're getting a value. And I think part of it is also they're afraid, because they know it's going to take work to implement. But again, I mean, it's like, if you want to be really successful, you have to learn from someone that's been really successful and just do what they say. And that's been my thing, right? When I I struggled in my music business for the first five years. I really struggled. and, And also, I mean, I guess to my defense partly, uh, becoming a real estate agent, right? Or or becoming, you know, getting fit. There's a lot of blueprints for that. There's no shortage of blueprints for that. There's not exactly a blueprint for like writing ultra competitive marching band music. <laughs> there's there's probably seven or eight people in the world that actually make a living doing it. That so so it's it's a very small community, but for about the first five years I struggled. I was making like twenty grand a year. I had no no idea what to do or how to scale. And eventually I talked to someone in the industry that I really admired, and I was like, how did you? who used to be a bank teller. And now he's like the Michael Jordan of marching band music. And I'm like, how did you do that? How did you transition? And he gave me some real clear marketing techniques that he used to become known. And I literally did exactly what he said. And within three years, I was making three times my teaching salary. And then I quit teaching. And within one year, I added another six figures of income. And so at that point, I was like, Man, I should have done that sooner, just like yeah. align with people that can give you the right answers. And then, you know, with the bodybuilding thing, I used to be quite out of shape, you know, almost 100 pounds overweight. I was never an athletic dude. And I got the P90X program, did exactly what Tony Horton said. Six months later, I was like 80 pounds down with a six pack.
0: Isn't and I was he like, like a train wreck now?
1: Uh, you know, I mean, he's I, I'm sure he's got a lot of injuries that he's nursing. Yeah. But uh, man, he is he changed my life. Long live Tony Horton. I love that guy. Right? <laughs> <That's great. laughs> he really pioneered the home fitness industry. Um, and now, you know, so then when I got into real estate, I was like, man, I'm just going to hire a coach and invest in education from day one. And when I started my team, it was the same thing. And it's no coincidence that the more money I spend on education, like I remember when I got my first high ticket coach, it was $1,500 a month for coaching. And wow. I was like, man, I've never spent that much money before, but I know that with real estate, if I make one deal, that's going to pay for a whole year of coaching. And within seven months of hiring that coach, I had my first hundred thousand dollar month. Wow. And so I've, I'm just, I've just become such a believer of get the blueprint, implement it as fast as you can. And it's impossible to fail. And of course the book goes into the framework of how to find the blueprint, how to implement it, how to structure your day to do that.
0: And you never know too much, do you? I mean, you, uh, me, I'm always reading. Yeah. I, I, I read a lot. I actually read 40 to 50 pages a day. Nice. Which is, which is a lot of reading, but I've yeah. been doing it for years. My only regret is I wish I'd have done it years year sooner. Right. That's an impressive um, I,
1: bookcase you got behind you there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've read them all, Yeah, but I, you know, I, I started doing it maybe seven, eight years ago uh, if I would have started doing it 20 years ago, no telling where I'd be now. Yeah. But, but you, you know, the thing is though, and you said it, people want instant gratification, they get frustrated. They're willing to throw in the towel way too quickly. Yeah, It's like, you know, somebody is overweight and you know, they, they go a couple of days, uh, of, of not eating, eating any sugar or any carbs. And, and they, they go to the gym and they fuck around at the gym for a couple of days. And then, you know they wonder why th- their pants still don't fit well you just you have to keep going you have to keep yeah. doing it it's yeah. consistency yeah. none of this stuff's going to uh, over none of this stuff's going to work overnight and and like when i started going to the gym um i went i went to the scariest looking guys in there that were all yeah. freakish looking right you know really really intimidating all tatted up and all that Nicest guys ever. I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, how do I do this? And they'll tell you. And that's yep. that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand. You want to go to the people that are at or above the level where you are, yep. for sure. Yeah. And surprisingly, a high percentage of these people are willing to help you, because guess what? One day and one day in the past, they were where you are right now, and they know what yep. it's like.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, there's a great phrase out there that really resonates with me. Uh, We find our purpose serving the person we used to be. And at some point, yeah. And at some point, you know, I mean, I remember my first day in the gym, I had no freaking idea what I was doing. I was super intimidated. Right. Um, But I think also like most, the vast majority of people enjoy helping people. Like if someone came up, if you're listening to this and someone comes up to you and says, Hey, I need a favor that you are highly qualified. Like, you're so qualified to answer this question. Would you, would you just provide a little insight for me? Who would say no to that? You know, people just want to help in general, but especially people that have, I get, like you said, I guarantee you every guy at that gym that you spoke to at some point had no idea what they were doing and appreciated someone giving them that guidance. And especially with something like fitness, man, I applaud people that want to take control of, of their life and I'm always happy to help.
0: But I think a lot of it too, is uh in the gym is a great example but you can apply this to almost anything. I never will forget one day I was in the gym working out and a trainer was bringing a new client in walking walking this lady around. The lady was overweight and he said to her I know you're probably worried about what all these other people think of you that they're watching you and they're looking at you. They don't care. And they're not watching because they're worried about the same thing. Mm. Who's watching and who's yeah. watching and what they're thinking about him? So a lot of times, if you just shed the notion of, you know, really, you just don't give a shit about other people's opinions. And 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 most of the bad opinions you're gonna get are from people that are, are too afraid to step out and take the risk and whatnot. That's why, you know, I think your family and most families. Are um, the worst support group anybody could possibly have, especially starting a business, because somebody may want to start a business and their parents might think it's a great, you know, it's not a good idea. Well, what do your parents do? Well, my, my father works for the post office and, you know, and my mother, you know, you know, does something else, works for somebody. Yeah. They've never written a paycheck in their life. Why would right. you get advice from people like that?
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you know, to go back to what you said a moment ago, like most people are just thinking about themselves. Most people are not yeah. thinking about you. Or if they look at you and they think something about it, they're they're forgetting 10 seconds later because they're back to thinking about themselves. Um, but you're right. I mean, and, and that can be very challenging when the people you really care about might be the biggest uh, haters or naysayers. And they do it out of love. They do it because they're they're fearful for you because they can't imagine doing what you're doing. I think a lot, you know, some of that is generational where you know, people that grew up in very hard times value security All and right. there's something to be said for go to college, get a job, have a pension and live a, you know, and and live that way and just be grateful for it. These days we have a lot more opportunity than there's ever been, but even still I remember when I quit my teaching job and I had, you know, tenure, which I think there are pros and cons to tenure. Uh, if you're a teacher, tenure is freaking awesome and you got pension and people are like, wait, you got pension, you got tenure, you got 10 years into this thing and you're going to leave to like write music. I don't like why. Why would you do that? You know, now these are the same teachers that would bitch about their job every day. You see the life being sucked out of them, dealing with people's ungrateful kids, dealing with a school board who has none. of th- These are all just, you know, stay at home moms who've never had a job in their life telling teachers they get paid too much. And, and, you know, and, and the same teachers that hate their job every day that will not take control and actually take a risk and do something that could change their life, but they'll tell me how bad of an idea it is (laughs) that I'm going to go do this thing. And, and that can be really tough, but you know, that's again, why it's so important. That if you are going to take that risk, and that's literally the definition of an entrepreneur, right? You're you're taking greater risk than most people would. And so if you are taking that risk, it's more important than ever that you take that initiative to get a coach, get the education, get the blueprint, because there's a limit at a time that you have to launch this business. You got to make money. Other, I mean, no one can try to launch a business indefinitely. There's a point where you're like, this is either going to work or it's yeah. not. And so in order to make sure it works as quickly as possible, day one, get the blueprint so that you know for sure you're getting proven information that will give you the best chance of success.
0: I have a friend of mine who's a, a chiropractor in Atlanta, and mm-hmm. when he got out of chiropractic school, he, uh, he spent like $5,000 of money he didn't have and, and hired a consulting firm. Yeah, and they told him to go out and knock on doors, introduce himself, do all this stuff that most people wouldn't do. Right, and because that was all the money he had, because he had dumped money in that and dumped money into the clinic that he had, um, he's like, "Dude, I didn't have time for a learning curve." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I he said I couldn't if, if I was going to be on the street if there was any kind of a learning curve. So uh yeah i tell I tell my salespeople all the time, you know there are three driving forces of people need to want to and have to yep and and he had to, yep, and the funny thing is that was ten years ago, and he still has people to this day. he still has patients that still come and see him that he initially just knocked on their door. Wow and introduced him to, himself to them, yeah.
1: That's incredible. And I mean, that's grit, man. That's what it takes. That's just massive action. And, you know, for my real estate team, uh, I have a a great team that I run here in Austin. And when I transitioned into being a team leader from being an independent agent, that's a completely different skill set. You know, being an agent, crushing it by yourself and then managing a team. Now I'm an educator with a master's degree, so teaching is no problem. Yet, even in my music business, I have a couple independent contractors. You know, it's a small business. Um, we do very well financially, but it, it's not the same as like hiring agents to teach them the skills, you know, recruiting and all that kind of stuff. And it was a new skill set to learn. And one thing I found, it took me about a year and a half to really understand how to recruit and the red flags I needed to see ahead of time to know. If this is going to be worth pouring my time and money into this person, <laughs> excuse me. And I can tell you that one thing that I've, I've learned exactly what you said, and I've never heard it said the way you said it. And I love it. I love that. The um, uh, want to, need to, and, need to, and, and, have, to and have need to, want to, and have to. Yeah. Yeah. And the have to are the agents that always do the best yeah. because their life depends on it. Like my top performing agent right now is a single mom with two kids. Wow. She doesn't mess around. She is the most relentless freaking worker I've ever seen. I'll tell you a quick story about her. And I love bragging on her because she's a badass. Earlier this year in March, there was a tornado that hit Round Rock, Texas. It was massive. It hit her neighborhood, destroyed homes. I mean, it looked like something out of a Twister movie or something. Wow. Fortunately, her house wasn't uh, damaged, but there was no power. And she had two kids, right? Little kids under 10. And she drove two days across country to stay with family. No power, devastated, drives for two days. She gets like Saturday 1 a.m. or something. And I sent her a message just like, hey, what can I do to help you? You know, the team's putting together money for groceries for you. Like, what can we do to help? And she's like, "Hey, I'm good. I'm already organizing my open houses for Sunday, and I got this buyer pre-approved, and this and that. And I'm going to be driving home tomorrow so I can make it back in time for my appointment because I, 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 can't, I can't let this deter me."
0: Yeah, she's right, and she's driving across the country and still on the job.
1: Right, and I've Love had that. agents that I thought would be in a good position because they came from another career and they're middle aged, and they're like, "Well, I made you know seventy grand." At this past job, and like you know, like uh, my husband works enough, and I don't really need the money, but I'm really passionate about real estate. And I'm like, well, this is a career person. They seem driven, and they're the same person that's making excuses for why they can't do stuff because they don't have to succeed. There, they have a level of comfort that they're content with, and it's the have tos. Like when we moved here to Texas, I was done teaching, but my wife was still a, a, a teacher. And she was making about 63, 64 grand a year and had amazing health benefits. And we, we left that, we made the decision to dive into real estate full-time together. We had to succeed. We had no choice. It was that, or who, or, I mean, there was no plan B. Right. And that was for sure a fire that, I mean, we took zero days off for the first six months. And eventually we really, really launched an incredible lucrative and, and rewarding business. But if and we didn't you have seldom... to, you know, yeah.
0: Well, I was going to say, and what you seldom see, what I hardly ever see, and I bet you haven't seen one either, is a late bloomer. No. You never, late bloomers really don't exist. No. They're almost like unicorns. They don't exist. Yeah. It's,
1: yeah. um. I mean, because I think that intrinsic drive, mm-hmm. that's something you have or you don't. You know, and I think in order like it can be fostered, you know, if you've got it and you align with the right people, you can learn how to magnify it and make it bigger. Sometimes I have found that like significant or horrific events can turn something around a near death experience or or something like that. But, you know, I'll make an analogy with music like you can make a, a good musician better, but I've had a few times in my life where I would encounter students that I'm like. Clap your hands with me. they can't do it. They have zero like zero ability to have any kind of rhythm. They're not going to develop rhythm. like you can't teach you can't teach that like that's something like you got it or or you don't. And I think that that's that intrinsic drive also, like if you don't have you know i'm I love this book. I'm I don't know if you've read this high high performance Habits by Brendan Burchard. I have not. It's an incredible book. I highly recommend it. I just finished it. He is the um, most highly paid and well sought out coach of high performers, athletes, billionaires, Fortune 500 companies, you know, he's done it all. And the thing that's really cool about it is he collects all this data. He collects all this data, almost like how Napoleon Hill with Think and Grow Rich had all this data, right? This is, this is like a modern day kind of thing where he's like, what, what are the common thread that connects all high performers? And it's fascinating because he's deduced it doesn't matter your background, rich, poor, ethnicity, doesn't matter. All high performers have these common threads, these consistent traits. And one of the things he talks about is necessity where high performers have this intrinsic need deep in our souls. It is a necessity to to grow and to be excellent in everything we do and to always be striving for excellence. And we can't even say where it comes from or why it's just
0: there. Well, I can tell you where mine comes from. Mm. And mine actually is, is more, uh, you know, I I guess the best way to put it is more fear driven than anything else. Mm. And, and the reason why I say that is, you know, when I started my business years ago, and you know it. It was five years before I made any money. Right. It uh, you know I, it, there were literally, literally. I lived those days to where I was on my knees digging under the seats of my car looking for spare change. I wow. had no money. I had nothing.
1: How long ago was that?
0: Oh, this was this was thirty years ago. Yeah. Okay. And and now. Every day I'm in the insurance business so you know we get paid every day every morning at at 4:30 a.m. I'm I'm typically reading commission statements from all these uh insurance carriers that that we do business with. Right. Um I I could have a half a million dollar payday. I wish I had those every day but I don't. Every every blue moon we get one. Yeah. I could have a half million dollar payday and wonder if I'm going to have another one. Yep. Yep. I've got to make sure that I have another one. Yep. And that, that has been, and, and I swear, I think that every day and n- nothing gets me going more than that because yeah. my, my ex-wife who was a teacher, by the way um, you know, she, uh, uh, she had put my daughter up. My daughter at the time was four years old. And she had put her up to asking me, daddy, did you get any money today? And you have no idea how deep that will cut you. And, and, Damn. and I'm sitting there going, what a shitty thing to put her up with. But, you know, I made sure she never asked that question again. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. man.
1: That That's an interesting fear of entrepreneurs. Like we're that's definitely a common thread too, is like, yeah, I built this amazing thing and I'm
0: making all this money, but like, what if it stops tomorrow? Like, what if it just stops? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the, it, it's kind of the fear of of not going back to where you came from. And, oh, and absolutely. That, that's a monumental driver for me. Yeah. I, I can.
1: um, I mean, <clears throat> a lot of my drive comes from, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, their drive comes from their childhood to an extent. Um, oh, yeah. You know, my dad, a uh, relentlessly hard worker. My mom raised me and my brother. My dad was in real estate out there working his butt off every single day. Um, but money was always very, very tight growing up. You know, we had an amazing loving family an incredible tight family bond. We still do. And, uh, but my earliest memories, like earliest memories, I can remember my dad just being real stressed about money Um Money was no, I knew money was tight. We, there are a lot of things my friends could go do that I couldn't do. I knew money w- was, was a problem. Um, and, and I remember thinking, like, I, like I'd, I'd be like eight years old and my dad would be talking about like financial advice to try to help me to avoid making a lot of mistakes they did. Like my parents went into an incredible amount of debt to try to give my brother and I the best life that they could they were able to work themselves out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but even my earliest memories, you know, my dad's like, you know, don't, don't, you know, you pay off all your debt every month, you know, don't carry any debt and you're, you're, you know, money in money out kind of thing. And I remember thinking like, man, I am never going to let money impact my family like this. So even in like fifth grade, if you would have asked me what my life goal was, I'd be like, man, I'm going to have enough money that I'm never going to worry about it. And neither is my family
0: yeah and if any anybody tells you that money doesn't matter, they're full of shit because and they probably don't
1: have enough of it.
0: They probably don't have enough of it because yeah. money won't buy you happiness. I mean, I I, I can attest to that. It, it won't do it, but it damn sure gives you a lot more choices.
1: yeah. and and why. I mean, there's no bullshitting about it. like it's infinitely easier, easier to be happy when you have a lot of money. Yeah. when your oh, bare yeah, necessities are met. When you're enjoying the quality of life that you have, when you come home and, and freaking love your neighborhood and where you live and the experiences you get to have. um, Yeah, it's a lot easier. Like you said, money, happiness is a state of mind. There are people in third world countries that in dirt floors that are happy. Like it doesn't yeah. take money to be happy. But if you live in America. It definitely I mean, let's not, you know, mess around like it. It takes money. To be able to, you know, you got to have your bare necessities met, but I agree with you that if people are like oh, money is the root of all evil, um, they probably just don't have enough of it and use that they as just a justification to say why they're not willing to work hard but, enough to get it.
0: Like my wife, uh, my current wife, she's from Russia. She grew up in the Soviet mm-hmm. Union mm-hmm. and they didn't have anything, but she, she tells me they were poor, but no one told them. Right. They didn't, yeah. they didn't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and. You know what's kind of shattering, uh, uh you know, uh, mental shattering to me, is like she'll pull out, uh, she'll pull out like her her childhood family albums, yeah, and everything you were told in school about how people were in the Soviet Union and whatnot. She actually had more of a leave it to Beaver childhood than anybody I know that did here, yeah, just 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 you know. It it really kind of shatters the image of of what you would have had over uh, living in a communist country like that. But they didn't they they didn't know no one no one told them that that things were different out there. So they they just adapted to the life that they had, right? Uh, which is which is great. But but here in America, though, it, you know, it's easy to see that there's a lot more there's there's a lot more out there. And if you talk to, that's why, you know, there's so many, if you marry an immigrant, you, you become friends with a lot of immigrants because they kind of mm-hmm. hang with each other. Mm-hmm. And, and the, you know, they, they all think this country is Disneyland. They, they, they really do because it, it's kind of like, if you've been eating, uh, you know, prime ribeyes all your life, then you really tend not to appreciate them. They've been eating baloney, right? And they come over here and they see the ribeyes and they, they, they can't believe that. I mean, she's been in this country for 20 years. Mm -hmm. She still can't believe that all the opportunities that, that she has here and and she equally can't understand how people uh, who were born here, just take for granted and piss those opportunities away.
1: Yep. Yep yeah I mean, you, you definitely take for granted what you' what you're born with. Yeah. Um, you know, I knew when growing up, money was an issue because I could read that on from my dad. right We had a great life. you know, I, I didn't really want for anything. you know I mean, uh, it's not like we ever wondered where our next meal was coming from or anything. It wasn't quite that bad, but I knew that it was an issue. Um, and that was a real motivating factor for me. And when you're a kid and your friends are doing things that you can't do, you know, <laughs> that sucks. So in your little kid world, it's it's a big deal. Um, but I think uh, to touch on what you said, I think a lot of people um, that grow up in this country, especially in a certain generation, like some of the younger folks, don't realize how amazing and incredible America is, truly. Yeah. And man, if you, you know what, like if you don't like it, like leave or why don't you go visit like another country and see how things are there. hundred percent, And see if, you know, if what you can really talk about or do, um, you know, and, and see what you think. But I, I I firmly believe America is is the greatest country in the world. And we have we have over... opportunity here. I mean, re- the reality is, yeah, if you're born. In maybe a certain, you know, if you're born with more money, if you're born somewhere that you have innately more opportunity, do you have a bit of an easier road? Sure. Yeah. I mean, of yeah. course you do. But there are no shortage. I mean, zero shortage of stories out there. People that were born into the most horrific family circumstances you can imagine in the worst parts of the country, no money physically mentally abused you know obstacles that most people couldn't even fathom and they and they turn it around and achieve something truly spectacular and become some of the most influential and wealthiest people out there so because we the reality is that opportunity does exist if you're if you're coming from a lower place yeah you got more work to do you got to climb higher but in this country the opportunity does exist for everybody
0: I think also too what kind of sets those people apart is that a lot of the the normal things that people here would get uptight about, just all the nothingness that they would get upset about mm-hmm. these people don't care yeah they 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 just don't care yeah they, they they don't get upset about little things that that really have you know my 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 wife has a really good saying and that is if it has nothing to do with me, I don't give a shit
1: yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, that's true. And and a lot of times people that have faced serious adversity in their life have a perspective that allows them to say, you know, this, this meaningless bullshit doesn't matter. Like, I'm not going to spend time thinking about it or, or let me get it worked up. Um, some, you know, some of the, not all of them, but some of the younger generation, I think in our country right now has never faced serious adversity. There hasn't been A world war, you know, that they're they're in a long time, they that some of them weren't even born when 9-11 happened, or they weren't old enough to know about it or really understand the significance of it, and they've always had their necessities met, and, you know, good times create weak people sometimes you know hard times create strong people right strong times strong people create good times and good times create weak people and it goes around and around and around and I think that's kind of where we are right now in terms of the things that people are politicizing and getting worked up about are so meaningless and nonsensical it's like man if you ever face some real adversity in your life you'd yeah. you'd, you'd understand how freaking stupid you sound right now
0: but what what does give me a little bit of hope though is that like we just had a massive hurricane come through here. Mm-hmm. And uh, and a lot of people just really got wiped out with nothing. Mm-hmm. They, they really did, yeah. uh, especially the coastal areas of Fort Myers. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I live in Naples and, you know, where I live, it didn't really do anything, but I drive a little bit closer to the coast and it's, it's, it's a mess. But just how people just kind of, when when times get tough like that, how they they tend to forget about all this superficial shit, yep. and and they really help each other. They right. they really they really do. That's right. They really help each other uh, in a big way. Yeah. I mean so that's that, human.
1: That's human that gives nature.
0: Me a shred of hope.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean because yeah, that that's how we survived. You know when we were in tribes and hunter gathering, which is the vast majority of our evolution. Where we're mm-hmm. at in, in civilization right now is really the blink of an eye in terms of. The grand scheme of things. And I think that I think that is part of our intrinsic um, you know, you know, habits and just uh what's the word I'm looking for? Um d- d- just the way that we're built, just the way that we're wired, you know, is to come together and help each other. It's the same thing happened when we had our crazy, you know, Snowbageddon here that I mentioned earlier. Like everyone mm-hmm. really came together, helped people. Fortunately the little, you know, cul-de-sac I live in, we're all very tight. We're all very supportive of each other. I remember when nine eleven happened, um the whole country came together in a way that you know I was in high school at that time like I had never really seen before uh because yeah. we had never really had something like that happen before
0: i was actually it was also
1: interesting to note how I was actually there <laughs> really you were it well, was well, I, I,
0: w- I was there 3 days before it happened oh my god yeah yeah 3 days before it happened i actually stayed in the millennium hotel which is which got blew up right yeah wow yeah wow it's crazy yeah but uh but you know it it, it's it's crazy how those circumstances um will pull people together but it's also even crazier how how quickly they tend to forget it yeah and and that's 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 the sad part of it yeah yeah that's the sad part of it. So are you doing you're doing seminar? Tell me about your coaching. Are you doing live events? Are you doing uh, um, uh, virtual? Uh, what are you doing? Yeah. There? So,
1: you know, I, I like to take a multi prong approach. I mean, my very favorite thing to do, especially as a teacher, when people are asked me if I miss teaching, um, I say I, I get to teach every day. I don't miss teaching public school at all. Uh, But I love teaching people that want to learn. And that's what I get to do as a coach and an educator. Um, So I mean, my very favorite thing to do is speak in person. Um, You know, I I was on a speaking tour of Texas, a couple months ago, I've had about maybe 10 speaking engagements over the past two months, and I I love speaking live, because there is no, there is no um, replacing the energy and momentum that you can get in an in a in-person session together and being able to actually see the people that I'm helping. Um, I did recently, which you can see if you're watching this video, remodel my home studio here to be a studio to really take advantage of being able to do virtual events. It uh, looks so, great, right, by the way. Thank you so much. It was a, it was a yeah. big project, but it, it recently wrapped up and got all the lights, camera action going on. So I'm doing a lot of virtual events now. I'm in the middle of my six-figure referral business bootcamp for real estate agents, so that's a live seminar that's taught from right here. And if people can't make it, they get the recordings. Um, a lot of my educational courses are filmed right here in my studio. Um, so I do a combination of in-person things and and virtual
0: events. So uh, how how's business with the realtors and as far as amping up their education? Yeah. Now that the market's really cooled off a lot. Yeah um you know year year a year ago um uh, anybody could sell a yeah. house the house sold itself They were that's just right. facilitating yeah but now that things have tightened up it's hard for me to believe that a lot of these people are going to make a living unless they make a change somewhere
1: that's a really good uh observation and you're right in a lot of ways so i'll give you my overview on that you know it's funny um Personally, I'm encouraged by where the market's at right now. And I think it's easier than ever to crush it as an agent. Let me backtrack for a moment and say, you know, when the market was really, really crazy. So when the market's really, 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 really crazy, when the market's so freaking hot and everyone's like, oh my God, the market's crazy. That means you're in a seller's market. And what that means is, you know, there's supply and demand. There's more demand than supply. And everyone wants to buy a house. Here's the problem with that from a real estate agent's perspective, As a real estate agent, you make money when a house sells, commission only, okay? You don't get paid until closing day. Getting a house under contract, you don't get paid. You get paid on closing day. Now, you can get paid selling a house for a seller or buying a house for a buyer. Now, in a seller's market, like we've had historically over here for many years, especially here in Austin, yes, it's a great, it's the best time ever to be an agent if you're selling a house, right? And, and there were agents out there that could have no experience and they get a listing and they take bad pictures on their cell phone and put it up in the MLS with no marketing skills and brag about selling it for multiple offers above asking. Here's the problem on the other side, because it's a seesaw, right? The better it is for sellers, the harder it is for buyers. So we had a perfect combination of historically low inventory with historically low interest rates. And so everyone wants to buy a house when it's like free money, 2 3% interest rate. So what happens as a real estate agent, because people will be like, Rob, you must be crushing it. And I'm like, well, I am, but a lot of agents aren't right now. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, imagine you're a buyer's agent. Someone says, Rob, I'm qualified. I'm ready to buy a house. Cool, let's do it. Property comes on the market today. Well, I need to stop everything I'm doing and go show this property because it's not going to be here tomorrow. Right. you in the middle of eating dinner with your family. Oh, shit. You better go over there and show this property. You're going to see the property. It came on the market an hour ago. By the time you're in there, there's already 10 offers. All right. You got to run home, write an offer as fast as you can. That's probably going to get rejected because there's so many offers. And if your client even wants a snowball's chance in hell of getting this property, they're going to have to offer fifty dollars to $100,000 over asking price.
0: That's got and to that's going to gonna trust, have to right?
1: be... Right. And that's going to have to be cash. That can't be rolled in because there's no way the property is going to appraise for that much. So, as a buyer's agent in a hot market, it's hard. It's really hard because you're running around, you're spending money on gas, you're showing properties, you're writing offer after offer after offer that's getting rejected. Right. Some buyers get so tired, they write 10 offers for 70 grand over asking and keep getting told they're not in the top three. That's pretty discouraging. And I did have clients that would write offers like that, and we're told. We're not in the top three, so it was harder than ever to work with buyers in a well, market when, like
0: that. When I was uh, when I was in Tampa, uh, you know that that market's still hot up there. But I can remember a year ago when we were kind of looking at maybe relocating in a different yeah. part of different part of town. Uh, if you couldn't prove funds that you had the money in the bank to stroke a check, realtor wouldn't even show you the house. Hundred percent wouldn't even show you the house. Yeah. And my, my wife had a house in Tampa that she wanted to sell. And so we put it on the market. It went up, uh, it, we got offers on it the next day. Mm -hmm. And there was, uh, there was this poor guy who had financing and there was an investor who was offering like 25 grand more. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, give the poor guy a chance. Yeah. Because what a lot of people don't understand, uh, because I've had a lot of realtors tell me this, the investors may come in there and offer a shit ton of money for the house initially, and then start and then start beating you up later because they'll find this in inspection, right. an inspection and that inspection right. and whatnot. And I kind of explained that to her, and the guy was just so grateful that 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 she sold him the house mm. contingent on financing because. Uh, Nobody, I mean, nobody was doing it.
1: Yeah, not at all. Yeah, that's 100% right. Um, you know, we couldn't work with first-time home buyers for like two years. Yeah. Like, Rob, I got 800 credit, down payment ready to go. Doesn't matter. Doesn't, yeah, matter. doesn't, matter. doesn't matter. You know? Matter. And so now what we're dealing with is a market that has shifted, meaning like it's, it's a little bit harder to find buyers because interest rates are a little bit higher right now. But when you find a buyer, we're able to get our buyers under contract within a day or two. We have more inventory to choose from than we've had in a very long time, 10, 11 years. Um, we're able to negotiate for them. We're able to have them move in with equity. We're able to be more aggressive in our negotiations, and and it's a really good time. And if you're selling a house as a listing agent, and you price it right, and you market it properly, it's still going to have a good sale. So we're in a, a more of a neutral time right now the issue is that there's a lot of bad agents out there that if they got their license in the past couple of years, they don't know how to market. And there are still agents now that are getting listings that don't know how to market because they never had to learn how to market. And now you have to know. And so unfortunately,
0: an in my experience in selling my house, there's also a lot of agents that don't tell the truth.
1: That can happen. That can oh happen. God. I mean, again, I mean, you know, anyone can get a license with a few hundred bucks in a couple of weeks. So of course it's understand there's 2 million licensed agents in the U S that's of course, not all of them are going to be great. Um, now the thing with buyers, right. When everyone wants to buy, when there's no inventory and interest rates are 3%, everybody wants to buy. So it also wasn't hard to get buyer clients, even though you had to run around like a chicken with your head cut off to get them under contract. It still wasn't hard to have 10, 12, 15 sets of clients ready to buy. Now, with interest rates being a little bit higher and some economic uncertainty, you have to know how to prospect. You have to know how to generate leads. You got to work your ass off in order to get clients. And so agents that don't know how to work hard and don't know how to market are having a tough time. Now, when people come up to me and my team, it's so funny, they'll come up and they'll, they'll kind of put their hand on my shoulder and they're like, Rob, how you doing? your team doing okay? And I'm like, dude, we're crushing it. We got more contracts than ever because I teach my agents how to work hard. And I accept the A players only. I accept the half dues, the agents that have no choice, but to go out there and dominate. And so I love working with my team. We had an amazing, amazing session today. Like we do every day, every morning when I train them and they're closing deals and getting contracts because they know how to work. So if you're an agent out there and you're having a tough time in the market, I encourage you to align with me and check out my course because it's going to teach you how to prospect, how to follow up, how to master the language of real estate sales. But now is a fantastic time to sell by or become a real estate agent if you're willing to get the education and and work hard enough.
0: If you're willing to treat it as a career and not just something business.
1: Yeah. I mean, the reason I created my course is because getting your license and learning how to make money as an agent are two completely different things. When you get your license, you learn about laws and compliance and how to not get sued and, 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 and some important things that you need to know. But you do not learn how to talk to people, how to prospect, how to negotiate, how to close deals, what happens in a transaction. Like you don't learn any of that stuff. So it's not uncommon for someone to get their license and be like, what do I do now? One of the forwarding domains for my course is I got my license now what dot com. Because every agent says that when they get their license. What do I do now? I wasn't taught what to do.
0: Well, a lot of them are like, uh, you know, I'm in the insurance game and a lot of agents will get their license. They'll study hard. They'll do this. They'll do that. They'll hang their shingle outside and just wait for people to tear the door down. And It ain't happening. Doesn't happen that way. But I made a social media post and told
1: everyone I'm an agent now. Doesn't happen that way. You got to learn how to prospect, how to sift for gold, and eventually- When you get through that launching phase, you can have a wildly successful career, but there's no instant gratification and there's no shortcut for just hard work and putting in the time and learning the skills necessary to to launch your business. And in my impossible to fail framework, I've discovered that for the vast majority of businesses out there, because I coach people in other industries aside from real estate, it's the same basic principles Of forming relationships, client acquisition, structuring your business, structuring your day, understanding how to go out there and make money. Um, I think another issue new business owners have is they get so caught up in things that aren't important. Like when you launch a business, priority number one, make money as fast as you can. Get clients. Oh, but I don't know how to do it. It doesn't matter. Get the client and you'll figure it out. I don't know how to do the buyer presentation. Get a buyer appointment and then, and then you will figure know how to do a buyer presentation. <laughs> but but I need to fix my website. I don't care about your stupid website. It doesn't matter right now. Go out there and get clients, right? You got to make that money as fast as you can. Um, and so many people also get caught up in things that are, I'm, I'm not saying that's not important, but most important thing is you just got to go out there, work hard, prospect, 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 prospect. All the agents on my team will tell you if you ask them, what's your number one job? They're all going to say, prospect.
0: That's true in any business. My wife yep. is a doctor. Yep. And even, even, even a physician, um, marketing is 90% of her business. Yep. 90%. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people, and this blows my mind too. And uh, I, I had a difficult time getting a lot of my, you know, I call them my old timers to do this <laughs> yeah. And, and some have, um, most have not, but you know, they're, they're willing to put in the work to do things. They're willing to risk the money. They're willing to do a lot of this stuff, but you know what they're terrified to do
1: more What's than that? anything
0: hmm. is to pick up their phone, make a video, put it in selfie mode and talk on it and make a video and post it on social media. Yep. They are horrified of yep. doing that. Horrified. Yeah. And and the realtors that I know that do that, especially the realtors, I know that do that. They'll start talking about the area that they work in and whatnot. Mm -hmm. You know, it's great. So, uh, Rob, brother, it was great having you on. Um, Tell people how they can get a hold of you.
1: Yeah, Jeff, this has been absolutely fantastic, man. And I look forward to having you on my podcast as well so we can keep going on this because I feel like we really connect. Absolutely. Um, so uh, if people want to learn about um, you know, how they can go deeper with me, check out my YouTube channel at robstein.tv. That's S-T-E-I-N, last name, robstein.tv. And if you're a real estate agent and you're wondering, how can I figure out how to be more successful, launch a better career, make more money, my sales course is called Earth to Orbit. And you can check it out at orbit.robstein.com. And I would love to engage with you. I also have a free real estate mastermind every Tuesday, gang. You can register at zoomwithrob.com. It's every Tuesday at 11 a.m. and just show up with your questions, and I'm going to give you answers and help you. And all those replays also go on my YouTube channel. So even if you can't make it, or you just want to check out the kind of information that I have before you say, you know, before I spend money on this guy, let me see if he can put his money where his mouth is and actually teach go check out my YouTube channel, check out those replays and you'll see the quality of information I provide. And you'll also see real agents that are accomplishing real results every day with my help. And I look forward to helping you
0: too. Yeah, folks, check him out. And uh, again, Rob, uh, thanks for being on, brother. Uh, I know you got to run. Uh, I got another podcast I got to do too. So yeah, uh, perfect. we'll talk again soon. I can't wait to be on your show.
1: Likewise, Jeff. Thank you so much, my friend.
0: Take care, brother. Later, bud.